Hello and welcome back to the HR Sucks podcast. We are on episode 24. It's me, Katrina, and we've got an amazing guest for this episode. I had read about Jason Waller several times in Inc. Magazine and had to connect with him. He's a force of nature that built a billion-dollar solar company not having finished high school or college. After having this tremendous success, he started the True Underdog podcast to share similar stories and motivate others to lean in and go after it no matter what the circumstances. He's a husband and a father to four children, and his no BS attitude, it's just infectious, y'all. Listen to this episode and enjoy a zap of clean energy from Jason. See what I did there? Hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Today's episode is sponsored by Game Day HR. Game Day HR is changing the way the world thinks about HR. With capabilities to absorb a business's day-to-day HR tasks or support the current HR team, Game Day HR provides an affordable and efficient dedicated HR team to help push your business forward. Visit www.gamedayhr.com today to schedule a free That's right, free HR audit for your business. With Game Day HR, it's game day every day. Sucks podcast where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. On this episode, coolest guest I ever had. Hopefully, none of the other guests listen to this. <laughs> uh, the CEO of Power Home Solar, featured in Inc., which is where I found him, an entrepreneur in magazines, and the host of the True Underdog podcast, Jason Waller. Welcome to the show, friend. Hey, thanks for having me, friend. I appreciate it. I was, we've been trying to collaborate this for a while. So we I was totally trolling you on LinkedIn for months. I was like, listen, fool. <laughs> yeah, you're like, when are we doing this? I'm like, I, I gave it to the team. They're slow. So I had to yell at they, them, like, hook this up. We got to set this up. And I'm so glad they did. They finally got it. I don't know if you know the backstory of that, but I think they tried to reschedule twice for me to go on your show. And I was like, you know what? Tabling it. And then I messaged you on the, you know, on LinkedIn. So I'm sorry that I'm such a brat. I can't help myself. That's okay. You, look, you're persistent. And that's what it takes to be <laughs> successful. So I, that's why you do so well. You, you don't take no for an answer, which is great. And I never said no, but they obviously were like, Hey, what can we do? They, they're, by the way, my relationship with them is new. It's oh, only been okay. a couple months. So they were feeling me out and I'm a space cadet. I'm trying to do five things at once. So I may, I missed the podcast yesterday. We did ours. And then I missed the five o'clock one. I go, oh man, that because I was on the phone with uh, meetings, just stack and I'm sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, you have 1600, 1700 actually, as of yesterday is from what I hear yep. employees in your organization, power home solar. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience. I mean, when did you hire your first employee? What was that experience like for you? Well, this is my third business I've opened. The first business I ever opened was a home security company back in 05. So I was like 25 years old and opened a new company. And I didn't have an office. I was running it out of a master bedroom that was about 250, 300 square feet. I had a tile board from Home Depot with mm-hmm. a Sharpie marker to do my scheduling. 
I had manila folders. I was still working at Verizon Wireless and then trying to open this up. So to hire my first installer and my first sales rep, I would meet them at Chili's. So I'd have an office. I'd be like, oh, you're interested in this job? Great, meet me at Chili's. So then I would have to sell them on, hey, look, I, you know, I've, I sell home security. You're going to put it in and you're going to make X. And I had to get them to buy into it. Yeah. So the first two employees I hired were like that. And it worked out. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere, right? I always say there's no elevator in life. You got to take steps. You literally have to grind and take the steps because it took some time to finally get real employees and a real office and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think part of being a, a great CEO is being a great salesperson. You have to you have to sell your mission, your vision to people. If you can't do that, why why would they work for you? And I, I agree. And I think there's a lot of CEOs out there that that's all they've ever done is sell. And where I feel like I've got an upper hand and advantage is I had to build all this. I did my own books on all the companies until three years ago. I didn't even know what the hell. EBITDA fucking was. EBITDA. I didn't even know. <laughs> and yet I had a company that's done 30 million, 40 million in sales. I don't know what EBITDA is. I didn't go to school. So I literally have done everything from the books to the inventory to, I mean, you name it. I'm a sales guy. It had to do with these other things. Uh -huh. So it makes me a little bit of a, a unicorn as a CEO in most cases. That's so funny. You bring up EBITDA. Like, um, I don't, I have my TEDx and I totally mentioned that like due diligence process, you know, and yeah. then EBITDA, EBITDA, like what? I don't EBITDA. even know how to, yeah, the yeah, way I don't know how to spell it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I finally, it, I feel like that's a growing moment for us business owners when we figure out what EBITDA actually means and how mm -hmm. to achieve a great EBITDA. That's so funny. What yeah. do you feel, what do you feel was um, one of the biggest challenges managing a team? Be and I'm asking this because I think we have like similar personalities. Like mm -hmm. we're like gone with the wind, right? Like our head is like in la la land all the time. Um, sometimes I know you're a father. I have an eight-year-old daughter and it's like, do you ever, cause your mind is just somewhere else and they're mm -hmm. trying to talk to you and you get frustrated because you're like, you're interrupting my thought, you know? Oh my God, yeah. How do you, how, what was the biggest challenge is managing a team as it continued to grow? Well, I had a lot of insecurities. I'm a super confident dude. Like I walk into a room, I think I'm a 10. I might only be a seven, but I fucking feel like a 10 every time I walk in. And every now and then I have to do a gut check and go, fuck, I'm not a 10. And then I have to come back to reality. There's a difference between being arrogant and confident. I am confident. I'm a little arrogant, but not a lot arrogant. So I kid a lot. But when I so opened my first company, I had people with college degrees they were smarter than me. They've made more money in their life than me. And they were working with for me. So I was somewhat intimidated. I had to overcome that. I had, you know, in our, in our generation, you know, you're told, you know, you're going to go to school and you're going to go to college and you're going to go get a great job. Well, I didn't finish school and I didn't go to college. And here I am running a company out of my bedroom or a small, tiny office. And I got these people who have college education and, and experience and skill sets that I've never experienced and, you know, they've made more money than me. I you know, came from the trailer park. Like I, I'm just trying to make it. And so I was intimidated. I was, I was scared to be the leader. I think I was intended to be until I broke until I just had enough one time in a meeting. And I 
got a little pissed off because our numbers weren't there. We're doing giveaways and we're doing this and I'm not even making money. I'm, I'm still working at Verizon and open this company and all of them are making money. So it started to get frustrating. And when your back's against the wall and you get pushed enough, I mean, you can either bend or you can break. And I bent and then I snapped back. And so I called everybody out and I said, look, our numbers are shit. And who, you know, there's like eight of them, eight sales reps in a small little room and a little money wheel. And I'm like, look, who's going to come in and do training on Saturday? And nobody raised their hand. And I said, what about you? You got a zero. You should come to train. Uh, what about you? And this one guy said, I ain't coming in. I said, you know what? Get the fuck out of my office. He's like, looked at me. I said, go now. You got to go now. He said, excuse me. He was 20 years older than me. I said, I didn't stutter. This building has, has my company name on it. You get your shit. You open that door and you get the fuck out. I said, does anybody else not want to train? Uh, no, we're trick, trick. Perfect. That was a breaking moment for me where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to take control. And it felt great. Like my back, why, why do I let these people push me or manipulate me or take advantage of me? I'm doing them the favor. They're not doing me the favor. They get paid for the favor they do me. Mm -hmm. So why am I feeling this way? I It's okay to be good to them, but it's not okay to be taken advantage of or being, you know, when I say held hostage or held by the short hair, it's like, I don't like that. And I was, I, I kept, and I, through my early career, there were big moments where I would feel hostage and I had to learn and get strong enough to overcome it. And so that was, that was a big time where I struggled with insecurities of finally being the leader. Then I had to do sales meetings. I mean, I do sales meetings all the time and I do some guest speaking and I can go out there. I feel like and light up the room and get them ready to like run through the wall. Here we go. But there were times I'd go out there and I'd stutter. I'd go, uh, and, uh, I mean, I had to overcome a lot of that and challenge myself and say, why am I doing that? Just go out there and be me. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely more of an off the cuff person. If you give me like a script or a presentation, you can tell that I'm bored with the presentation. Mm. I can't hide it. And so I'm more of off the cuff this is what I'm feeling right now. And this is what I feel like you need to hear and what you need to learn. Can we go back? We're going to totally veer off really quick, but I just feel like you're for some listeners, like I need your feedback on this. Okay. okay. Cause you're, you're a male. I'm a female. I want to go back to the sevens when you mentioned <laughs> seven and 10. So a good friend of mine, we get, we like butt heads sometimes because he's a male and he's in, you know, high like investment banking, something nerdy like what, what's that. What's his rank though? Is he a seven? Is he a nine? What is he? I don't know. I mean, in terms oh, of no attractiveness. Yeah. Well, you see him, you see him at a restaurant, you see him at church, you see him in a bar, you know, when bars open, when the China yeah. virus goes away, what is he? Is he a five? Is he a seven? Is he a 10? You know, I think because I know his, like his personality, I'd give him like a seven. Okay. Good energy, right? It's all about yeah. energy in some cases, but my point is, so him and I are arguing and, and I'm telling, I'm kind of frustrated. I think like I was getting some creepers on LinkedIn and like trying to get me to take meetings, but really had a different agenda. So I was telling him like, gosh, this is just so frustrating sometimes. And he came to me and he was like, I don't understand. I have like female friends who are like more attractive than you who don't seem to have this problem. And I'm like, Hey, I'm fully aware that I'm a solid seven, 100%. <laughs> I'm fully, but I was trying to explain to him, but when you're a seven, your net, your cat is casted far more to like a bigger pool of men because the fours, the fives and the sixes think that they have a chance. So I'm going, I'm being sought after by fours, fives, sixes, sevens, and eights. If I were like a nine or a 10, 
I'd probably only have to deal with the seven, eight. Your pond nine. would be smaller. That's, that, would, I agree with your assessment. Yeah. Okay. I, like he doesn't Agreed. understand that. Isn't no, it true? Like you, I get quantity. Not. Quantity. I call it the, I call it the 2 a.m. rule, right? If I'm it's a seven a and I'm looking for seven to 10 and it hits 2 a.m. It's like shit bars closing four fives and sixes are on the board. <laughs> Not really, but that's the joke, right? It's the 2 a.m. rule. That happens. That's what people, it's the mindset of people. You're right, fours, five, six. And it's not just look. So I want the listeners to understand. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a movie, I can't think of the girl's name, but um, she's an actress and you know she's a, she's a little bigger and she's not super attractive, although I think she looks way better in the movie. And it's about her on the treadmill and she runs on the treadmill and she hits her head and then she thinks... She's, oh, it's Amy Schumer. Yes. And in that movie, what is that I movie I feel called? pretty. Oh, my gosh. So I reference that movie even in my I love movie. her. I have to I, admit. Right. Right. So I, I don't like her uncle, but I like her. <laughs> so in that movie, I reference that movie not only to my three daughters, but I reference that movie to salespeople in our company. And I'll tell you why. In that movie, because she hits her head. She now naturally she believed and she was very insecure about herself. And obviously, and I'm sharing this with the listeners, she was a four or five at best, right? And so she okay. she felt like she couldn't get anybody and she felt overweight, all these things, right? She just you you know how people get and the listeners get like when you're having a bad day or you're bloated or you got acne or you got wrinkles and you, you you're feeling old and nobody's looking at you and they're not showing you the attention and you don't feel wanted, all those things bundled up, you start kicking your own ass. And she in this movie is kicking her own ass, and then she hits her head and she looks in the mirror, and she's like, Holy shit, this is me oh my gosh, I changed. And she sees her friends and she's like, it's me. And they're like, no, we know it's you. She's like, no, you don't look at me. I'm different. (laughs) She she thinks she's a fucking 10. The problem is, is that makes her look hotter Mm -hmm. in men's eyes and in women's eyes. If you have a five, six, seven, if you're an average person, when you have confidence, you gain three or four points every single time. Now, I don't know if I'm a net seven or if I'm a seven plus my confidence. I don't know, but- I know that, you know, if I go into a room, I'm not the tallest, I'm not the buffest, I'm not the skinniest, I'm not the smartest, but damn it, I'm going to be the most confident, I'm going to be the most uh, intelligent, talking about the highest energy, like their strengths I have, everybody has their attributes, and that's where I stand out in certain things. Same thing when you're in business, or you're trying to date, or you're in a relationship. You know, I tell my wife, I'm like, you know, we, she you know, as we get older, wearing bathing suits and stuff, she's like, oh, I feel like I got a mom bod and I'm in a bathing suit. I'm like, no, you don't. And when she owns it, she wears it. It's like, damn, dude, you look like you're like a milf. Like, ah, damn, looks great, right? <laughs> but if she's like insecure about it, she's like, I don't want to wear this. It looks like that. It doesn't look as good because now I'm thinking what they're thinking. That's sure. what happens. You, your whole confidence changes the entire room and how people look at you and think about you, not just on looks, but the way, how confident you are in meetings. I talked about earlier, I wasn't confident in front of these man, these reps that worked for me. I was like, they, they were eating me up. I was insecure, like, well, doing the meetings. Oh, this guy's weak. I come in, I'm like, bam, kick the doors in, fucking knock the door handle off, pump out the chest, start yelling and screaming, get up, let's go, let's do, holy shit. Now I've got their attention and I've elevated my skill sets and points. So confidence is key. That adds the points every time. More so than looks. I, I mean, I'm telling you, you take a four or five, they're a seven if they're super confident. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I, I, I personally think I'm like a net eight. So seven, confidence is about a nine, solid eight. 
Um, but I did this exercise with my team, my, you know, with the, with the staff, um, it was, it was so impromptu, but we were talking about, um, like new year's, like, like 2021, something that's really important for me is I want to know what they, what they want. You know, I want to know what they're dreaming of. I want to know like, and how I can help them get there. Right. And so obviously, you know, some of them have some like goal, like physical goals, um, losing weight or this or that. And so this was something that I don't, I, I think I read it in a book by Don Miguel Ruiz, like one of those like four agreements or something like that books. And last year I started this exercise to where I I gave my mind a name and I gave my body a separate name. Mm-hmm. And my, I, I gave my mind a name of someone that maybe like particularly I don't really like, or they're like a mean person or, so I would recognize when that person was the one talking to me versus Mm -hmm. me observing the person talking to me. And then my body, I, I gave it a name of someone, um, I love because you're more likely to care for it. If it's something you love, if you hate your body, what are you going to do? You're going to sabotage it. Right. Because that's how you treat a person that you hate, you know? So I did this exercise with them and I can't, I can't tell you how exciting it is to see how it's been effective with the way they think and the way they treat themselves in their bodies. It's like, if you, if you name, you know, one of them named her body after her grandma, who she loves dearly. Mm-hmm. So she, every time she, you know, is eating, it's like, I want to nourish this person. I want to wash this person. I want to exercise it. You right. know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And so that goes back to your movie reference of she just like stopped being in her mind and she started being who she really was mm-hmm. because we aren't our mind. We're not our thoughts, right? We are just observing. Like if your mind was a person, a separate person, you'd beat the shit out of it all the time. Yes. Like you would not be friends. With that That's true whatsoever. because it, it messes with you. And, you know, when you go in to close a deal and I play, you know, I played in the World Series of Poker a handful of times and some of the big ones with some of the biggest names out there. And it's all confidence. I mean, those guys are no better. It's like, I, I, you got to treat, in my opinion, like you got to treat life like poker. You got you to play to win. You, you can't play, play to, to not lose. You can't play like you got two seven off suited. You got to play like you got the fucking nuts. You got the bullets. You're ready. Like you're, you're, I got aces. You ready? Like you have to play like that. And that confidence changes everything. And I tell my kids, and sometimes they get scared. We all have some insecurities, but of course. I'm like, listen, you got to be confident. You can't, there's things you can't change about yourself, mm-hmm. but you can change your mindset if you work on it. And then you can be confident, which elevates everything else. And it's really confidence is key. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a home run on any situation, especially for females in today's world with social media. You got to have confidence and not look at that fake bullshit where they, oh my gosh, my life is great. And I have no, no cellulite, no weight, and I'm perfect. Like, it's all bullshit. And if it's not bullshit, I'm a big believer. Here's another thing. Dudes with six packs are pricks. That's why they're always single. They're selfish assholes. They only worry about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with a female with a perfect body. That's all she cares about. You think a dude wants to be with a chick that is so consumed with, I have to eat one piece of lettuce and 12 protein shakes today. Like that gets exhausting. Sometimes you have to be real. Well, My opinion, and- of course. Well, you know, both of us are parents of daughters, right? Yeah. And and I like am worried. I do worry about her and what this what social media is saying is beautiful and what's okay and what's not okay. And I'm, you know, it's like you look at the Kardashians and I'm like, 
they don't even look like them anymore. Like I know they, they've changed. You, they've changed. Like they, this is not what beauty is. And it's funny because this might be, you, you're getting me on like first time announcements. I, it feels like uh-huh. um, I'm working with a production company on content that is more like suitable for girls, you know, like where they can watch it. And it's not about emulating your life after someone else. It's about living your own life, mm-hmm. curating your own life. You know, with social media, we have all, these challenges, like follow, do what I do and you will be successful, right? right? Do exactly what I do. But the thing is, is that's so unintentional. You're, you're not actually looking at what are your own weaknesses? What are your own problems and bringing very specific solutions to those problems? Nobody is really taking the time to think they got successful because they did what was best for them in their life. It's right. not follow someone else's program. It's build your own program and follow that with consistency. You're right. And that and and that's it. You know, like there's, you know, you have programs where it's like, don't drink alcohol for 90 days. I don't have a drinking problem. So me like depriving myself of having my once a month drink doesn't make any sense. It's not, I'm not solving a problem that I have. Why would I put energy toward that? My problem is, I work too much or I'm not present. And so if a drink, you know, with my friends once a month or, or every other week is something that helps me that brings or five me- times a day, whatever you choose. <laughs> <it's okay. laughs> but my, you know what I mean? Everybody yeah. just is a sheep. There's so many sheep out there. Like just. And a lot them. of those sheep don't have to be sheep. If no. they would wake up and just be like, I'm going to be a lion or I'm going to be a fucking elephant, be something. But well, they be just, yourself. Right. They just, I'm going to do that. I, I agree. It's nonsense and crazy. And it, it's sad, but it's the it, world we live in. Yeah. And as, and as parents, we have to be very intentional, like with my daughter and I tell her nobody like being, having a really small waist and all of that, like this is new. This being considered beautiful is actually new. It wasn't always like that. Mm-mm. Um, you know, women looking fertile and looking like they can have a bunch of kids used to be like the sexy back in the day. And, and the duck lips and the giant butts that wasn't in 10 years ago. No, no, it wasn't. And, and I'm thankful for it because, you know, naturally I have naturally I'm a little endowed on the bottom half. So I'm like, great. Thank you, JLo. You made, you made me cool again. Oh, yeah. Um, but everything else. Yeah. I just like, that is not beauty. Like you define beauty yourself, you know, I agree. Cellulite, all that. It, it is what it is. You can't help it. I can't help that my head is too small for my body. This is how I was born. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't ever, I, I don't try to beat myself up. So I, I, I stay positive. I mean, you know, I always say, uh, Terrell Owens, I love me some me, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. If you love you some you, you're going to be okay. Then everybody else will love you. If you don't love you, they struggle to love you. For sure. And it comes with conditions. Their love comes with conditions. So there's a moment, not really a moment. It could be over months or even a year that everyone talks about, like they call it a click. It's when an organization clicks everything together and goes on to like massive growth and scale. When was that for you in Power Home? Like, tell me what the landscape was at the time, how many employees, how much an annual like revenue, if you want to answer that. And then yeah. what was like the indicator that just shot you? So up? Power Home Solar is my third uh, business I've opened up or been a mm-hmm. part of running and opened it up with, had, with the intent of thinking I knew what I was doing and I didn't. 
In year one, we had 3 million in sales. We lost a million dollars. Year two had 14 million sales and lost over a million dollars. And that was in 15 and 16. And so all the money I ever made from the other two companies, I stuck into power home. Mm -hmm. I sold my house on the lake and put that money into the power, power home and bought a smaller house that we paid cash. And I had the stink eye for my wife and kids. Like, what are we doing? I'm like, you got to <laughs> trust me. I went and paid myself at power home for almost two years after being open. I was reinvested in the company. I wasn't getting a check. So my friends, my family, my wife, my kids, business part, they're all like, we need to shut that. This is stupid. I said, it's not stupid. Trust me. And I stayed grinding. In 16, um, you know, 15, I, I almost closed the doors going into 16. Stayed. The beginning of 16 was tough. I went in, I fired everybody pretty much. We had 30 employees at, at the end of 15 and I got down to about 12. And I started doing everything myself again, like I did home security, like I'm going to do the warehouse ordering, I'm going to do the purchasing, I'm going to make sure that this is getting the permit filled out, I'm going to do all the phone calls, I'm going to do all the sales, I'm going to help manage customer service, I'm just going to do everything, I'm going to run it like it's, I do everything, okay, you're, you're here and you're going to learn from me and I'm going to do everything, and I did. And that started, I started to see things, I started to get better at things, I started to understand things, because when you understand your business, that's powerful. Right. When you just assume and allow people to run it, when you understand it, you empower people to run it, then you can grow. But when you just put people in place and you don't know what's going on, you're flat, they're flying the plane blind, you're, you, you, you could be asked out. So I started to see our, our, our company evolve and start to turn a profit towards the end of the year. We still lost money, but towards the end of the year, it got better. And I finally got a paycheck in November of 16. That was part one of the turn, but really is in 17. When we opened up Michigan and we did a deal with the Detroit Lions, the first football team we did, and mm -hmm. we switched to American made panels because, you know, the Trump administration had all the tariffs on, on China. And mm -hmm. so a lot of our competitors were offering Chinese panels, including us. We switched to American made panels and overnight we doubled in size. Wow. And that was a game changer. And we realized like people want stuff that's made here in America. People want solar and, and energy independence. It's not about, look, uh, climate change may be real, maybe not real. I have no idea I didn't go to fucking school. I don't know. It's not why I got in the business. I believe that it does something, but that's not why I got in this business. I got in the business because solar is not Republican or Democrat. It's American. It adds, it's free enterprise. It adds jobs. It gives people an opportunity to own their power, to control their energy, to have storage and use it, not have to pay the utility company. And the utility company is disgusting because it has coal ash and fires and all this other nonsense. They're irresponsible as hell. I'm not saying that, like, I know if that's going to change about the solar caps. I mean, the uh, polar caps, I don't fucking know. But what I do know is this is a way for people to control their energy and have costs down and it's clean and it's it's good for the grid and we're not so reliable on these utility companies that can't produce enough. So that's why I love what I do. And, and I realized that's our buyer. It's not the guy who eats granola bars and drives a Prius. He usually lives in a condo downtown and doesn't have solar, but the guy who drives a pickup truck and has goats eating on his grass, he wants solar because he hates the utility company. I go, Oh my goodness, we have to switch. That's our buyer. So we changed our marketing, the American made and it blew up. And then we kept growing. We did, 
in year three, we did 40 million in sales. Year four was 105. Year five was 185. This past year was 365. We'll do 750 million in sales this year, but we doubled in size during the pandemic mm -hmm. because we started offering battery storage and we came together as a team. So there was like three times it clicked switching to American or me getting involved doing everything and restarting, mm -hmm. switching to American made panels, and then really bonding together with all the the stress and and everything going on in the world, we were able to overcome that, look at it as an opportunity and grow from it. That's amazing. I mean, I know they, what's the rule? Like five years, right? Five years in business and you'll kind of, I mean, it happens before that for some companies, but yeah. five years and same thing. I had the same story. I did everything myself for at least three years. Yeah. Um, I did it backwards, you know, where everybody was like, you need to hire, hire. And I'm like, no, I want to figure out, I need to know, like, I have to build out an operational process first. You know, mm -hmm. I need to figure out like what makes my clients tick and what they like, what they don't like. Like you can't just spend a bunch of money hiring executives if you don't even know what you're doing. And so. And I you got to understand what you're expecting them to do, right? You got to right. inspect what you expect in order for me to do that. No one, no sales guy. We have over almost 400 field energy consultant sales guys. And all of them grow within our company. They become district managers or assistant district managers. Project. We grow within on purpose. And they can't bullshit me. I've ran appointments. I might be the CEO of a $700 million company, but, but I've been in your seat and sat down with these customers. You're not going to blow smoke up me. No, not right. happening. So me understanding each one of these departments makes me that much that much more knowledgeable to hold them more accountable, to grow them the right way. Exactly. So I was, I've been blessed. I hired a head of client services finally after, you know, year three and it's same thing, you know, she's amazing. She doesn't make excuses or anything like that, but I know her struggles, right. When she's mm -hmm. like, Hey, this is happening. I've been there. So I can, I can help her creatively problem solve certain situations because I've done it instead right. of me being like, Hey, I don't, I, this is why I hired you. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. And so I think that, um, that's the, sometimes I feel like that's the message is, you know, we get startups and they're like, we're going to hire a chief marketing officer. Fantastic. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be doing, they're going to be running all our social media. That is not a chief marketing officer. Okay. Right. That is a social media coordinator. That is a $45,000, you know, $50,000 a year salary. A chief marketing officer is over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And just, they just, you know, they're, they're just not intentional yeah. with like, well, when people start small businesses, they're thinking small, which is okay, but really they need to be the CFO or they need to bring somebody in that is, you know, an account manager or controller that acts as the CFO as they're growing. I mean, you know, and there's times in, as you build a business from small to big, to big, to big, to bigger, that you evolve and some people evolve with you. And some people, they helped you get to that spot, but then their time's expired, either beneficial for them or the company. And somebody helps you get to the next spot. And you can't be scared. Like one thing that I've really learned in business is you can't have your ego. You can't think you know it all because you'll shit the bed every time. When I didn't know what EBITDA was, I hired, I hired a, a real CFO. I yeah. didn't know how to build a great HR or compliance type of organization. We're doing 40 million in sales. And I'm like, man, the liability here, the target on our head is huge. I hired someone who had major experience in that stuff and brought him on. You know, when we were going to private equity, 
And I didn't even know how all that worked. I hired a president that's been part of billion dollar transactions and brought mm -hmm. him on. So mm -hmm. you got to be able to Superman doesn't win in business. The Avengers do. You need to hire smarter people that have different skill sets or um, special sauce that you might not have, or, you know, how their superhero powers that they have that you need, because I'm, I don't, I, I don't understand the financials. I mean, I, I can scale and get operation costs down. I, mm -hmm. I don't know how to build a compliance department or deal with the HR rules. They tell me that's bad, Jason, or that's okay. Okay, great. You know, whatever. I, but I know that I can light up a room and I know I have a great vision. So I use my strength and abilities. And that doesn't make me better than anybody on my team. And it doesn't make them better than me. We're all good at our own way, which when you're building a company and in life, it's a puzzle. And you got to have all the pieces to, to be successful. It's not just one. You got to put them all together, in my opinion. I totally agree. What What was the biggest uh, mistake you made growing Power Home? Well, I would say the first two years thinking I knew more than I did um, was a problem. And, you know, I've never, I would say I have an 80-20 rule of Power Home. So mm -hmm. every month I tell the directors that they're responsible for churning and replacing around 20% of their business. And we do the same, like directors sometimes lose their job. I look at it on a quarterly basis, like this person's not cutting the mustard or semi-annually, but I'm a big believer. It's just my belief that 20% of anybody's staff, whether you're in sales, whether you're in sports, whether you're in anything, they do 80% of the work they're responsible for 80% of the good shit that gets done. And mm -hmm. the next 60% of your staff, that middle tier, they're responsible for the other 20%. They're average. They're not the overachievers. They're not the hungry ones. They're not the ones pushing the needle, but they're doing just enough. Your mm -hmm. last 20%, they're there for just a paycheck. They're checked out. It's just day by day. And you're just a stepping stone to them. Maybe they're a stepping stone for you. Whatever it is, they, they have an expiration date that's a lot sooner than anybody else. And when I used to take things more personal, I would hold on to people too long. I would give too many chances. I would feel bad for somebody and continue to get manipulated. And, you know, I would, I would, because I would talk to, to you, Katrina, and be like, all right, well, I know your situation. Listen, I know you didn't hit your numbers. Let's work with you again. Let's see what we do. Okay. Oh, next month. Okay, look, I'm still going to work with you. I know you got some things going on. I would do that. And here's who I'm hurting. Not only myself, I'm hurting all of the employees yes. by doing that. And so my personal feeling and, and relationship with everybody would get in the way. So I would say my biggest problem early on was being too personal and not making it crystal clear that business is business. This isn't a personal decision. And so now I have no personal, I could love somebody to death. My own father works in the company. If he could cut the mustard, I'd be like, I gotta let you go. I love you pops you're out because it's not personal. It's business. And you have to think of 1700 employees, not one person's problem. Their problem is their shit. They got to keep that shit. That's at home. That's not you. You can't feel guilty for that. And I have a big belief. If as long as I, we, I've never had an issue paying anybody in our company at any company, because when you're running a business, the first thing you do is you pay your employees. The second thing you do is pay your vendors. And the third thing you do, if anything's left, you reinvest it in the company and give yourself a little bit if you can. Mm -hmm. That's the rules. And so I've never missed payroll for employees ever in any company. I've not been paid many, 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 many times. And vendors have been kicked down the, 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 the month here and there. 
Right. But, pay, but employees are always paid. So if we're going to pay them 100% of their paycheck, we're going to demand 100% effort. Not 80, not 90. I don't get to go into their checking account and go, hey, you owe me 10% back. I only got 90% effort. Bullshit. They get paid 100%. I want 100% results and effort, period. And as long as I have that mindset every single day and I keep it business related, I feel like our company continues to grow the right direction because we're all aligned. So my, you went back to the question. I think my biggest mistake was being too personal, taking things too personal and not being strong enough for the greater good to be able to tell an individual no. You know, I, I think that's very important that you say that. I think everybody goes through that fate. You have to learn. You don't know how to learn from it unless you're in it and you're doing it and you, you kind of see the light at some point. I think we're all guilty of having done that at, at some point in running a business or, or managing a team. Um, so it's just that some of us figure it out and some of us don't. And that usually is the define the definition of whether a business is going to be around or not. You know, well, I have a motto. Don't be held hostage by anybody. Nobody in your right. workplace, nobody in your relationships, nothing. When they hold you hostage, you're surrendering the better good for yourself and those that you care about. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. So if I'm enabling or empowering somebody to take their lack of effort, their lack of desire, their lack of accomplishment in the business to hurt or bother or put us in a position where we're held hostage, then I'm, I'm failing as a leader. And so I, I refuse, like, I've, I don't negotiate with terrorists. You don't want to be here. Let's, there's the door. I'm not mm -hmm. going to beg you to stay. It doesn't work that way. I don't chase nothing. Right. You, you, I'm not going to, and I won't be held hostage. Nobody is bigger than anybody in our organization. We all are a cog in a wheel on a tire, on a truck, on the road, period. We're all replaceable, including me. And that's mm -hmm. what makes the company great is you, you build a, an organization and a process that's not dependent on certain individuals. Those individuals make that system work and should be uh, uh, accredited for that. But they're not, not one person is the reason. Not five people are the reason. And it can never be that way where you get held hostage of, well, I'm so good, you need to pay me more. Or if you don't do this, I'll quit. You, I've been in those positions. Now mm -hmm. I'm like, quit. You know how many top sales reps I fired because of integrity or things that they say that, that hurt the rest of the team? I'm like, you guys got to fire them. It's our top guy. I don't give a shit. Fire. Right. Your number two guy now just became your top guy. Move along. We're the same. I'm with you. I, I don't like threaten me and that's it. I'll never trust you again. That's right. And you'll and be people out. do that all the time. They feel entitled. You, yeah. They're entitled to shit. We pay people. We pay them well. They mm -hmm. earn it. They're not entitled. They earn it. Agreed. Let's talk about the podcast. So what made you start your own podcast, the True Underdog Podcast? So, so I was uh, humbled and blessed enough to win Entrepreneur of the Year last year for EY. And when I did, I kind of got in a group of um, a lot of the judges that do the judging are ex-winners. And they brought mm -hmm. me up to the top level of the hotel. And we had a gathering, a little party, pre-COVID, obviously. And so it wasn't 19. It was in 18 this happened. Okay. And um they were like, dude, you got to write a book. You got to tell your story. You didn't finish school. You did this. You're building this monster company. You've done three companies. You've been successful. You know, you win a lot. I'm like, I, I've never even read a book. I'm like, I, I'm not going to write a book. I don't even know what the fuck. I, I can't spell worth a shit. Any posts that are bad, it's my fault. It ain't my, the team's <laughs> fault. I can't spell shit very I mean, well. Jason, so. Jason has a Y in it. What, that's right. I, I mean, if that's not an indication. <laughs> that's right. That tells you there's a problem there. So, <laughs> you know, then, you know, fast forward, I said, I, 
I started doing a lot of our TV commercials, our marketing companies like, man, we need a face for solar. And so those started to take off and I'm like, all right, this isn't bad. I mean, if this works, whatever we'll do with the brand. Well, then I was like, let me mess around. I have a lot of athlete, you know, athlete friends that play in the NFL. And um, so I was like, I'm going to start this podcast. We think like, hell yeah, I'll get on. I said, cool. So we came up with this thing that would start as fun, the true underdog podcast, where I would, I would get interviewed sometimes by, you know, one of the co-hosts or, you know, I just go in there elaborate and I could tell some of my story and some of my experience to help people. And then I would be able to interview different people and share their story, their underdog story or what they, you know, what they've overcome or what they're doing right now. And it just got infectious and it started to take off. I started to get, you know, bigger guests and all of a sudden, you know, back-to-back months, I was a top five entrepreneur podcast and one time a top five educational podcast. And I'm like, Hmm. we got a lot of fuck bombs and shit in mind. I'm glad that it works okay in education, but that's fine. It's real. It's raw, right? It's, it's motivational, but we, we tell real stories. We don't sugarcoat it. We're not like, guys, you're going to have to do this to make a lot of money. Like we tell real situations that you can apply in your life and in your business. And we tell you like, look, I haven't done or experienced everything, but I share everything that I've got there. I, and this is how I did it. And this is what I thought why I did it. And if you're going through something like that, maybe that can help you. And then we bring guests on to do that. And this thing's just taken off where I have fun. It's a, it's a release for me. It's a, it's a different identity for me. Meaning like, you know, I'm the CEO of Power Home Solar in the face of, you know, of solar, especially in the Midwest and South. That's great. But then I get to go do this podcast where I can be me and I can, I don't, I don't have to run this organization and be like, all right, guys, we got to get our numbers together. Like I can share tidbits and some of our employees listen, love it. And a lot of our sales guys love it. And I get them some cool swag, you know, that we're going to get you and, and we have fun with it. And so it's starting to take off and I really like it. It doesn't pay me. It could, you know, I think we had 25 or 30,000 downloads last week and I get all these little offers, but I don't want, I'm not, that's not, that's not important to me. I have a, I have a business. What's important to me is building this brand that helps mm-hmm. power home. It helps true underdog and my name, but most importantly, I love hearing from strangers where it helped them. I had a guy that does um, detailing cars and he detailed our cars for two years here in Michigan. And he came up to me like three months ago. And was like, and I've had several of these stories, whether they message or email, like probably like 10 or 12 of these. And Mm -hmm. he comes up and he's like, Jason, I've been scared shitless to get a second detailed truck. And I've been listening to your podcast. His name's Jeremy. And I'm like, oh, and I always get a little douched out. Oh, did you like it? Was it okay? (laughs) And he's like, dude, it was fucking awesome. In fact, you inspired me to go buy a second fucking truck. I've got two detailed trucks. I'm going to go get a third. I was like, I had goosebumps. I was like, fuck yeah, man. I'm like, pound, I felt. You can't buy that feeling. I can make all the money in the world. It doesn't fucking matter. I can't take it with me and I won't spend it all. But when you can help somebody, game changer. You, you can't buy that feeling. And that's what I love the most. So the podcast is to help motivate or inspire a male or female out there struggling, looking for something to get better at. They're in a tough situation. They want to know, is there light at the end of the tunnel? What are they supposed to do? How should they you know, change their character for that moment? Little things like that, that I just try to share. I think that's so, I mean, I agree. Like podcasting is a thankless job. Yeah. Um, and people think, think we're rich from it. I'm like, motherfucker, this costs me money. Yeah. Okay. Like, tell me how you, you know, I've been interviewed. It's like, so how has the podcast grown your company? I'm like, it hasn't <laughs> just yeah. like, I don't, I don't know if we, I don't think we've gotten new clients for a minute. If, if so, I haven't tracked it, but you know, I think for me, it's like, 
you get out there, it's, it's the message that you want to send. And then even if it's one person, you know, sometimes I get on LinkedIn messages from random people who I don't even think are watching or whatever. And they say, you know, your posts make me laugh every day. Thank you for, you know, putting that, taking the time to do that. Yeah. People like, need okay, that this makes it world. worth it. Yeah. This yeah. makes it worth it. The time I spend you know, with editing and the money. Cause I pay, I have to pay to get it. I pay someone to get this thing done, you know, like edit. People graphics. don't do podcasts to be rich. They do it because they no. love it. They love to speak. They love to share wisdom. You don't have time to write books. This is the world we live in. I get it. I'm, I'm a fan of it. And look, there are some podcasters out there that do well, but I mean, look, that's like the less than 1% they get paid right. and they, that that's not what this is about. And you know, that, is exciting to hear you say because you're right your messages in today's world people need positivity they need reinforcement they need to be you need to be relatable to them they need to understand that you're alive you're not just some picture on instagram or linkedin like they need to know that it's the same thing with my employees that I, I become relative and relatable to them they're like oh i know jason and i'll be walking in an office i've never been to we got 23 offices you said 1700 employees i don't know like 1650 of them Right. But I can tell you this, I walk in, I'm smiling, I'm shaking hands. I'm like, dude, I heard this, like I get to, I'm relatable to them and it makes it easier. And then I can have a conversation and they ask me, oh, what's up with Hannah? What's up with your daughter? You know, I love that because now they're not intimidated to talk to me. They feel a part of my life and then I can talk to them and it's not, they don't, you know, it, it just creates this openness in our organization. I agree. I love that. And and I feel like same when people, if people watch my videos or they're listening to my podcast, when they meet me, I'm exactly the same. I'm, I'm the same person, yeah. you know, um, let's wrap this up. I want to know what is your life's mission? What are you trying to accomplish next? Well, two things. One, uh, I want to take our business either public or have a lucrative transaction in like three or five years to change every one of our employees' lives. And two, I want to keep sharing wisdom and adding, you know, employees to make money and getting customers to own their energy and just impacting life. I mean, that's the lifetime goal here. I, I've got four wonderful kids. I've got a granddaughter, grandson on the way. You know, I call myself a gilf. I used to be a milf. Now I'm a gilf. And, no, you uh, used to be a dilf. That's right. I said, no, <laughs> you're right. I used to be a, a Delf. Th thank you for the correction. Um, I, I, head was in the wrong spot. So then, you know, I, I just want to make an impact. I want to be able to change people's lives and I want to be part of something great for our employees and for our customers. And, you know, if I got the platform to do it, continue to grow, I love it. And I want, you know, I want my kids, I want to be the best father. You just want to try to be the best you can to impact others. And I think that's what it's about. You know, I got get a platform, be able to speak and help. It feels great. My my kids are inspired by it. You know, I'm bringing them along to do some things, and it's exciting. Love that. You you. I know you're always open about your life and and your story. Can you tell us something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. I would say, um, yeah, I'm very sappy. Somewhat, I do like chick flicks, and I like lots of '80s music including like, you know, um, you know, like the love songs in the eighties. I listen to that stuff a lot. Aww. I don't know. I'm sappy like that. I'm an eighties guy. So I love eighties music. 
I know you like chick flicks because you've already referenced I Feel Pretty by Amy Schumer. I let people, well, look, I like, look, I, I like some action movies and I like dramas, but I like some chick flicks too. They're cute, they're fun. You know, it's, you know, one of my, I used to have a, a crush on, um, Who's the girl and she's all that. And then she was in Garfield, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That used yes. to be like my crush, right? So that's something nobody else knew either. There you go. Love it. Where can listeners find you, your company, your product? Thank you. Yeah, you can go. Listen, you want solar or you want to apply for a job? We're hiring people in 11 states strong right now. You go to powerhome.com. There's a careers options. You can apply for a job. We're always looking for great people. We don't give a shit about your background or your resume. We care about what you want to do. True Underdog Podcast. You can go to trueunderdog.com. You can visit my website, jasonwaller.com. I'm on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Castbox. You can also follow me on Instagram at Jason Waller, Bam, Facebook at Jason Waller. And now the new cool bomb ass thing we just talked about it is called Clubhouse. It Clubhouse. It's at Jason Waller. So check check me out there as well. Yeah, we'll get on some, we'll get in some rooms too and chit chat from and, and drop some gems for everybody or or say some jokes or some perverted stuff. So there you go. Get us in trouble you. on there. Thank you, HR. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for being here, Jason. Thank you. Be safe in Cali, Katrina. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you everybody for listening. You can find us on Instagram at HRSucks. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a beat. That's right.